Good morning. I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1, where we'll read in verse 16 to 18 in a moment. But uh, before we do the reading of that scripture, I, I just want to thank you as a church. I'd, I'd like to thank the music department, its leader, and all that involved in the music. It's been an amazing music five days for us, and uh, the music is so beautiful. A lot of times when missionaries come, uh, songs are sung that are well-intended missionary songs, but oftentimes they're post-millennial or all-millennial. So these have all been biblical, so thank you very much. Uh, it's been a real blessing to be uh, in a group that will uh, honor the Lord through their music like you have. And, and you sing uh, really in a wonderful way, and we thank you for it. I also want to thank uh, Pastor I. Pastor I, uh, I don't want to compliment you too much. I, I have to your wife already, so she knows I, I think you're great. But uh, I just I really appreciate the pastor's uh, position on many things, and, and his understanding of missionaries is much better than most pastors that I know. And that's not to say they don't try. It just means... He comes from there, and he understands us, and uh, he's one of us, actually, and so we're, we're thankful that we have, we just feel together with you on this whole thing, and it's been a blessing. And then Pastor's wife and the other ladies in this church, I'll group you all together if I may, uh, uh, have blessed us with some really good meals and some nice fellowship and uh, our wives, and, and then we got this package when we first got here. Uh, I'd like to complain about that since I've gained five pounds eating that thing. Uh, but other than that, uh, it, it's okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a great uh, package. I, I think you probably thought I was supposed to share that with my wife. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I, I took it personal. So anyway, um, so we're, we're glad he, we're here. We want you to understand who we really are. Pastor in, introduced me and and whenever pastors introduce you, it's a little bit sure real. Uh, you talk to my sister, she'll tell you what a brat I am. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we are teaching biblical and historical theology, even now while we're on furlough. We're also teaching Christian counseling, biblical counseling. Uh, we're asking your prayer for us in that task. And then as we balance and rotate uh, uh, and try to figure out where to put our feet down uh, between South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Europe, um, and here, we, we're trying to figure out what to do over the next uh, term of three years. And uh, then for our camp funding, I know Pastor mentioned that before, we just ask you to pray about the funding of the camp. We know this church's heart is with the camp. So that's not a question. And then we ask that you'd also just understand something. And that is that when it comes to our prayers, when it comes to our concern for one another, uh, we want to understand that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, we are together on this. We're, we're committed to this, uh, all of us. And we're very thankful uh, that we can serve the Lord uh, together. and But we're not shameful in our everyday occurrence of the gospel either. We, we understand the gospel is a wonderful opportunity for us. 
And we're going to be talking about that just now. And as I talk about it, I'm going to ask you to pray with me that we'll be drawn to understanding our involvement, what God expects from us as Christians who've already accepted the good news of Jesus Christ. But how can we best share it? How can we live our lives to his glory? Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have, a wonderful privilege, to serve you and to glorify your name through the gospel, the good news. But Lord, the, the word gospel is, is not a normal word that we just use in the world. Um, uh, even when we say good news, uh, there'll be a lot of people who don't know what we mean. Help us to identify that. Help us to understand and appreciate the depths of it uh, today sufficiently that we can be better witnesses, all of us, in the days to come until you come to gather us in the air at your rapturous trumpet. Lord, we look forward to that day. I thank you, Lord, for all the missionaries who are here. Their testimonies have encouraged our hearts. We thank you for the church that's come together and to warm our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit, who even now will teach us as we look into your word. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're looking at Romans chapter 1, I think it's very important for me to just uh, focus you on a few thoughts, and that is that there's no shame called for. The good news is a powerful message. It's an amazing message that changes lives for eternity. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, and I don't know when that was in your life, but for me it was 12 years old, I was saved from my sins for eternity. My soul was grounded in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so, of course, was yours. If you look to him, he hears you. It's a wonderful thing. Um, it, it's, it, the gospel has forward motion. Do you hear what I'm saying? Forward motion. It doesn't need to look back. It doesn't go back. It's moving forward. Its mission is a type of thing that uh, the, the mission of the gospel, the mission of the good news, the mis mission of God's grace is an amazing thing. It, it reveals that the gospel is an action word. Uh, you, you don't just believe it, you live it, you act it out, you testify of it. it it's a very active word. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful phrase because it's talking to us about our Savior. Now, this message that we have, we want to understand is all by God's grace alone. It's really important that we understand this is not by our good works or by our church membership or by our cultural uh, identification in society. It's nothing like that. It's by God's grace alone. And it's by the simple faith, I can say, of a 12-year-old boy because that's when I accepted Christ. And if you ask me how much I understood of all of this, all of this Bible and all of this, I didn't understand a lot of it. I've been to Sunday school. I sort of listened most of the time, but not regularly. And uh, I, I had parents that read the Bible in our home, so yeah, I, I knew some of that. But it, some of that was just stories at that stage because I hadn't taken 
my personal need for Christ to the Lord in prayer. But once you do that, you ask, well, what do I need to take with me? Your simple faith. That's all you come. Uh, same as Abraham, he was justified by faith and nothing else. And God has put us in that same blessed position that all you have to do is place your faith in the finished work of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and understand that on the basis of this, uh, wow, we have nothing to be worried about and we have nothing to be ashamed of. Now, I think it's important that we read this text, all right? Romans chapter 1, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But I want to stop you because you don't have it up there. But the verse before, he says, so as much as is in me. In other words, as much might and power as I've got, he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel or declare the gospel. You don't have to preach it like a sermon. You have to declare it, though, factually, accurately. It's the truth about God's love. God loves the world. He loves the whole world. And he sent his only begotten son into this world that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. You say, it can't be that simple. I'm sorry, you'll have to take that up with God because God says it's that simple. And he said he was ready to preach the gospel or declare even to Rome also. And, of course, he's writing the Romans. You know you're looking in the book of Rome. So he's, he's targeting all those folks. When I come to a church, uh, I don't know what you think I've come here for, but I, I'm, I'm looking for you. I'm hunting you down. If you're young, I, I want you to think about using your life for the Lord. If you're a young couple, I want to think about you maybe resigning from your job, getting trained and going to Africa or somewhere. He's cleaning out the church again. Here he goes. And, and if you're uh, middle-aged and, and you're sort of settled into good old Raleigh, I, I, I want to uproot you somehow and get you to go to Spain or somewhere. I don't care where you go. And then if you're retired, uh, even retirees get no peace from me. I'm hunting you down. I want you to come out for three or six months at a time and minister or maybe even one week uh, or two weeks working at the camp or helping with ministry. Uh, I'm actually looking for the whole lot of you. And I'd recruit your pastor, except I've understood I must be careful there. So when he's not looking, I recruit the rest of you. Uh, so for it is the gospel of Christ it's the good news of Christ and and I want to get you all animated I want to get you excited moving motion I, I want you to see you cannot stand around with your hands in your pocket and talk about the gospel of Christ at the same time your hands will come out of your pocket I promise you it's so important that we understand, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. People talk about how do people come to know the Lord in different mission fields? By the grace and power of God. 
God's power works. He convicts people. He guides people. He blesses people. He works in their lives. God's working in all the world, even where we're not missionaries. God is giving the world blessedness they don't deserve and that I don't deserve. (laughs) God blesses us because God is a good God and he blesses the world. Now I know we mess it up and make war and we do all the stuff we do. I know, but God's still trying to leave us as human beings with some free will, but he's trying to bless us. And he's a blessed God, blessing people. And to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, he, Paul says, is making it very clear that this power of God reaches right into your soul and saves you from your sin. Salvation is not salvation from your economic problems. It's not from your military problems. It's not from, no, God's saving you for Eternity. He's giving you in your soul eternal life. It's an exciting thing for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now there's a whole subject there in a sermon there, but I can't do it. But I do want to say this, that we have to understand the world does not know about the righteousness of God. When we say God is a God of love, we're describing his righteousness or one element of it. There's many more things we need to tell them and can tell them about God's righteousness and goodness and love. We can tell them about his character and about all that the scripture reveals about him. But I'm here to tell you, we understand this, that from faith to faith it's been written, the just shall live by faith. Not by all the detail you know about God. I've actually never met two people that knew all the same things about God. They all had different stuff they knew about God. Their parents, grandparents, their friends, their family, stuff they read, books they read. It's amazing. And that's why we say as missionaries, the first thing we have to do on the field is listen a lot to try to figure out where people are. Because they've had God blessing them with all sorts of information. They can look up in the stars. They can look here. They can look there. Wherever they look, they can be blessed. Take your Bible to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. When we get to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to see something. Neither is there salvation in any other name. Now, it's really important that we settle this. It's not about Baptist or what church. or No, we're talking about the Lord God's love for the world and his son that he sent into the world to die for us, to be buried and resurrected and to promise to come again for us and to resurrect us in the same power he was resurrected in. That's what we're talking about. Wow. Now, I include the second coming in the gospel. I I include the rapture as well. Sometimes I include a few other things in there. But, hey, why? Because I want people to see the future of what this is doing. So, yes, the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done, but it's also what he's going to do. He intercedes for you right now, right now. He hasn't left you. He's given you the Holy Spirit of promise to comfort you right now. He is busy doing all of this. He's a wonderful God. We worship a wonderful God. If you came in here sad, I want you to go out smiling, okay? Because God is a wonderful God. And he loves 
Not just you, but he loves you and the whole world. It, it's, it's so clear. So There's no salvation in any other. You can look. At, we're not talking about other churches or religion. We're saying in anything other than the name of Jesus Christ. And he goes on, of course. And you know it does. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's just not any other name. So people say, well, what's your theological view? Are you a Calvinist or an Arminian? Are you somewhere stuck in between? Are you confused? Where are you? Hey, you know where I am? I'm right there. I'm right there with the name of Jesus. There's no other name. That's where I'm at. Stop stuck right there. Do I know about these other things? Yeah, I know about them, but they have to be weighed against the priority of the gospel. And the priority of the gospel puts them in a different category of discussion. In 1 Corinthians, if you don't mind going there, chapter 1, verse 23, Paul starts talking about how he's preaching again. He's talking to the Corinthians. Now, when Paul says some of these things to Rome and to the Corinthians, sometimes he's saying almost the same thing, just to two different churches. Um, our grandchildren and my children know that they'll say, uh, we're getting to know uh, Papa's, uh, Daddy's uh, sermon. And sometimes we go to church and you look back at your children and they're miming you. They already know the words, you know. Uh, I had my grandchildren over one day and we we're watching a cartoon. And I said, have you ever watched this before? Uh-huh. And they were watching like this. And then I watched their lips. They were saying the words in that cartoon before the guy said it. I thought, well, I don't feel so bad then if I, you know, they mind me I don't care but we preach Christ crucified you say that's the same old thing again <laughs> it's not old it's as fresh as your need is it's as fresh as his love is it's fresh for we preach Christ crucified under the Jews oh yeah he's a stumbling block under the Greeks yeah he's foolishness but unto them which are called both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So he's added something there. Did you notice that? He added the word and the wisdom of God. So it's a useful verse to put together with Romans, I think. And then if you go with me and we get past the idea of the good news, let me take you a little bit further. I keep forgetting about running this thing, but it's okay. You didn't really need that, did you? No, uh, you saw, that's what we looked at. Let's go to the next one. Let's talk about one, whoop, it jumped right over. Let's talk about one more thing. Let's talk about John 17, verse 18. So let's go there, if you don't mind. Jesus is praying now. And in the prayer of Jesus, and this is so very important, in the prayer of Jesus, we see Jesus is talking to his father and he says, even so have I also sent them into the world. And then in the next verse, he says, in the next two verses, he makes it very clear, not just the disciples who are here, but all those who believe in me after their word. Listen, it's a wonderful passage of scripture. You need to study it. As you think about it, Acts chapter 13 
The verse says, as they ministered to the Lord, verse 1, and, uh, and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. Now, what is a missionary? Well, he's a responsible Christian, but he has been sent and is being sent. And he says, for the work whereunto I've called them, and when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. That phrase, sent them away, includes a lot of things, a lot of love, a lot of compassion, a lot of prayer, finances. It means a lot of things, but they sent them away. They didn't send them away wondering. They sent them away reassured, and they were sent away to serve the Lord. It's a powerful passage, and in the, later in that chapter, he says, Chapter 13, verse 38, Luke tells the story. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. Let, let's don't get carried away about the gospel. I, I do hear something in America, and that is more and more they're using the word gospel for everything. I mean, almost everything. And I think, no, let's keep it back to the gospel uh, that saves your soul. Let's don't start including all the other stuff. But I'm reading a book right now, and they use the word gospel all the way through it. But they mean a lot of things by it. And none of the things are wrong. But it's sort of watering down the word gospel. For me, at least it is. I don't know. Maybe it isn't for them. Maybe it's not for you. But I'm saying to you, think about it. It has to do with the forgiveness of sins and by him all that believe are justified from all things. You know, we need to know that. That, that we're justified by all things. We're free and clear of all of our guilt and all of our sin. It's all gone. From which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, justification may not be a big thing to you. Oh, what's so big about justification? That's because you're a Gentile. But if you were a Jewish person, you would understand that the history of Israel has been a, a religious history, totally encased in the idea of making sure that you are justified before God. And Paul's saying it, it never could quite do it. It put you on a nice path, but it never could do it. But this finishes the job. This does it, the gospel. And so he says uh, that uh, God works in wonderful ways. If you keep reading that text at home, you'll see that there were God-fearers, there were Gentiles, who when they heard this, they started following Paul and the others and wanting to know more. But let me talk to you about one last thing. And I've got to remember what in the world I did with this thing. There it is. And move you along. Sorry about that. Whoops, I jumped again. Almost done. Well, maybe I'm getting carried away. Let's, I'm getting carried away somewhere. There we are. Let's talk about how the gospel makes me confident. It has a work it does in my life. In John 16, 7, he says, I will send him, the comforter, to you. And when he's come, he'll reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It didn't say I would do that. It said the Holy Spirit would do that. So we deliver the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to die for our sins 
He came to pay the penalty for our sins. And, and God sees our simple little faith. And he hears our simple prayers. And he accepts us as his children. But in the process, our mind went through some difficult moments. The Holy Spirit was busy convicting us of our sin. You know, people don't turn to Jesus if they're not guilty of anything. And the Holy Spirit makes sure you know what you're guilty of. And I remember many times I've had people come to me after they accepted Christ and saying, uh, I've been reading my Bible, I just found out something else I'm guilty of. What do I do now? Do I need to get saved again? I said, no, the Lord already knew you wouldn't understand that. He understands how far you can go on all this. You confessed your sins, your sinfulness, your state of sinfulness. He understood. But I'm glad you learned that because now you can dodge it. And you don't have to go on living that way. So very important of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my father. You understand Jesus was leaving and he was sending the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus is gone, the living example of righteousness on earth is no longer there. Jesus is gone. So the Holy Spirit has to convict people of what righteousness is in Christ. And they do that. And then the verse goes a little bit further and we'll just see it a little bit more of judgment. Now, judgment's an interesting subject. In this case, the judgment has to do with the fact that the prince of this world, all right, I know all the sovereignty of God stuff that's going around in America right now, and everybody's becoming a bunch of fatalists, and you think God's just going to take care of all your problems and you're not responsible anymore, and that God is so sovereign you've become Muslim fatalist. But hey, listen, you don't have to do that. You can slow down a little bit, get reality back in your life, and understand that Satan, look at what it says there in that verse. He says in very clear language, he's the prince of this world. The one running this world, don't blame God for this mess, is Satan. And he's already been judged. And that should be part of your testimony. You should be telling people, oh, by the way, the God that's running this place has already been judged. Did you know that? You know? So when you tell them about God's, uh, about, about their sin and about God's righteousness and his love and his plan of sin, but you need to also tell them, by the way, the one you're serving has been judged already. That's a real loser path. Well, maybe you shouldn't say that, but anyway, it's the way I see it. In Acts chapter 20, we go a little bit further, and how I kept back nothing from you. You know, that's, that's another part of the wonderful security we have in Christ. He kept back nothing from us. Now, the pastor's told me already that the rapture's going to take place in a few minutes for, for me. Uh, so I, I got to get done here. And I kept back nothing that was profitable. I want you to understand that when we go on the mission field, when your pastor comes up in this pulpit, he has been praying about what do you need and what is profitable. I don't want to hold back anything that's profitable for you. And that's exactly what Paul says in Acts 20 to the church there. And he says, but I've showed you 
and taught you. We don't just teach it, we live it, we show it. it you see the, the change in our lives, you see the truth of it. And from house to house, we take the message. Now, a lot of people say house to house visitation doesn't work real good. And I don't know if he says how good it works. He just said that's what he did. And so you can decide about that. But um, house to house today is maybe internet connection by internet connection. I, I'm not sure. I won't get there. But there you go. Look at what it says. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks uh, how to be a happy, successful business person. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Sorry, my mistake. House to house, testifying both to Jews and also the, the Greeks' repentance toward God. That means you turn around and you go toward God and you place your faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. I want you folks to finish your course with joy. And I want to finish the ministry I've got, and I'm sure you want to finish the ministry God's given you, even if it's your children or grandchildren. It's a very important ministry, and I shouldn't say even. Every ministry you have that comes from God, every contact, every person, every soul, uh, be thankful for them. Use them for his glory. He says, uh, for I've received of the Lord, which I've received of the Lord, this, this privilege, this course, this joyous message, these lives, these people, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. What an absolute miracle and privilege it is that God would use me to talk about him to anybody. Well, I'm going to just try to close that off with this thought, if I can go back. It's not going to let me go back because I already did my thing. There it is. It says, I think somebody up there helped me, uh, set on the hope set before us. 2 Corinthians 10, 16. Now, that's set on the hope set before us. That's Hebrews chapter 6. But I want you to understand, 2 Corinthians says the goal summarizing everything I've tried to say today is so that we could preach, teach, testify, uh, declare the gospel in all the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready uh, to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So you're saying, what are you trying to say? Well, missionaries, we try to look for fresh ground to plant our, 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 uh, our churches in. We look for good soil. Yeah. Well, you need to be doing that too. And so I would like to challenge you. I'd like to close off with this thought. And that is how, how hard are you working at, how sincere are you about finding some new people to tell about Jesus? I mean, talking to you as a church now. I, I know you're witnessing to people already. And I thank you for that. And I know your pastor encourages you. But I'm just saying, when you think about a missionary, you want to think we go looking for new places, new ground, new opportunities. And if you want to be a part of this with us, then you've got to look for some new ground, new 
opportunity. Remember, the gospel's alive, and it's an animated message of change. Salvation, hope, joy, but not to the same people over and over. I don't mean you give up on them. I just mean you look for more. And I want to challenge you to do that. Because maybe today or tomorrow you'll find someone new to tell and they'll be ready to hear. And you'll see them come to Christ. 